Let us pray. Dear Lord, open up our hearts that we may receive the word and know that your grace is sufficient. Let us know that we are here in a place our spirits are called. In Jesus' holy, sweet name we pray. Amen. Amen. Well, today we get to talk about something very favorite to me, home, hometown. Um, I was trying to count the places I had lived before the age of 12, and I think it's around seven different places. My father served, I was born in Lewisburg, and as an itinerant pastor, the Methodist average of preachers used to be about two and a half years. Preachers moved quite often. And uh, we moved from town to town across eastern North Carolina, from Lewisburg to the Outer Banks over uh, towards Pamlico County, Moorhead City, down towards Wilmington, up here finally in high school, uh, here in Harnett County. So this scripture has always been a favorite of mine because it describes when Jesus returned to his hometown and how he was received and the nature of what it means to be in constant motion in God's grace and the idea of home and where does home fit in our relationship with God. Well, Jesus, he left there and went to his hometown accompanied by his disciples. The first thing to state about home is home is where the heart is, where we have emotions, we have feelings, we have connections. Um, it's amazing because when you go to a place that is your home, you see not only where you have been or where you're from, but where your ancestors are from, your grandfather, your grandmother, your cousins perhaps, your family has a claim, a stake there. Our historical home on my father's side is Horry County, South Carolina, down near Myrtle Beach. My great-great-grandfather, Samuel Smith, had no use for ocean land, so he bought land in, inside the ocean. If only he had known what North Myrtle Beach would be worth today, uh, but he didn't. But whenever I go down that way, we usually have an annual meeting of the evangelism, part of the thriving rural church we're part of here. We meet down there. And whenever I go down, it's like I can feel my family had been here once. Uh, but that's been many years ago, over 100. And I think about um, how the journey of their lives ended up with me being where I was when I was born and now here uh, at the place we call home. So home is where the heart is. It's where we have an attachment. It's uh, what brings us home. You can tell where your home is because when holidays come, you wanna go back there. Uh, you wanna go back to sit at the table, to be part of the family. And we here at Spring Hill are a heart church. We're a home church. We have a number of family reunions that take place here at the church. Uh, your families and our families are all part of the Spring Hill home spirit. In fact, Nathan and Fernanda have already claimed it as a home. They love it here, uh, and we love them being here. And I'm certain so that Mina and, and all the other visitors uh, will see this as a wonderful God-filled place. In fact, Mina, I'll pick on you a little bit, Mina, he was sharing about his home in Egypt. He was showing me the uh, so cathedral 
Uh, he has a video of that and how his father and family, uh, they were there and we were watching the video of that and I was thinking of how his family has been a part of this place for so long. As you probably know, the Coptic Church, it developed with St. Mark. We're preaching from St. Mark today. In the first century, just a few years after the resurrection of Jesus and ascension, Mark the disciple went to Egypt and started the Christian church there in Egypt that he is a part of now, uh, this church that is so honorable and a church that is filled with the spirit of home. So home is where the heart is. That's the good news. Well, there's some bad news along with that too. And Jesus, he encountered that. The people, they watched him come into town. They said, here he is. We've heard about him. He's gone off and he's doing all these great things, these miracles. And then he comes back and he goes to the synagogue. He teaches in the synagogue, which means they've opened up the synagogue to him, which is an honorable position. They have acknowledged that he is a man of God. They've opened up the synagogue to him and he is teaching there and he teaches with such authority, they're amazed because then they start talking among themselves. See, see the internet is not the fastest form of communication. Gossip is, gossip is the fastest form of communication. People uh, talking about other people or sharing about other people. Well, we do it in a good way to try to stay up with uh, who's doing what or our neighbors in this situation and that. But in the case of Jesus, in this case, they're not talking in the good sense about isn't it wonderful that Jesus is doing all these things. They're saying, where did this man get these things? What is this wisdom that has been given to him that he's even doing miracles? Can you believe this? See, that's the other part of home and the heart because sometimes the heart isn't warm and beating and loving and caring. Sometimes the heart is flat out cold and hard. In fact, um, often your greatest challenge of love will not come from the world. It will come from those that surround you. So Jesus was not being accepted. In fact, they didn't only attack him, they attacked his family. They said, isn't this Mary's son? His brothers and his sisters are here. Who does he think he is, is what they're saying about Jesus. Now, let's first understand the true nature of the heart and how God has made our heart. God has made our heart to be broken, not to be whole. God has made us so that we can be remade into his image. These people and their coldness of heart needs to be broken. Jesus didn't accidentally go home. He went there with his disciples for a reason, a purpose. He wanted them to see what they're going to encounter, what you will encounter as believers in Christ in the world. He wanted them to feel the coldness of the heart so that they could share the warmth of the soul. So in the scripture, they're attacking Jesus and they're saying, how can he be doing that? Instead of saying, wow, look at that. This is amazing. He's one of us. And instead of saying that, they're saying, how can he be doing this? Who does he think he is? He's just a carpenter's son. How dare he come here and heal us? <laughs> isn't, that, isn't that son? I, I told you I've lived in a lot of places. I mean, it's, it's amazing. I think back, uh, 
the places I've lived, on the ocean, on the beach, you know, in the sense of uh, uh, just being a child and riding my bicycle through these towns and getting to know the people. Like in a little town of Magnolia, I used to go over to the general store in Magnolia. It was an old general store. You know the ones with the wooden uh, floors and they creak when you walk on them and you can get a fistful of candy. You remember those uh, general stores? There's one up in Waynesville. Uh, it's called the Mast uh, so General Store, and they got a candy barrel right next to it. If you ever go up there, you got to go to the candy barrel. Uh, but I used to ride my bike down there, and I'd get me a fistful of candy, and I'd ride through town eating candy left and right. I was a plumpy little boy riding that bicycle eating that candy. I thought that was something in the world to be living in that town. I remember they, the, well, the day they erected the only stoplight in Magnolia. First one ever had been. I stood there on my bicycle and sat there and watched them put that stoplight up. And people in the town, they gathered around and they're saying, we got a stoplight, we're growing now, we're gonna be something now. And I'm looking at the stoplight eating my candy. I used to like those little, like peanuts. You know, the orange ones that are soft, they're like marshmallows. You know what I'm talking about. Some of you getting hungry right now. And, and I used to eat those. And I'd be sitting there eating there going, they're putting up a stoplight. And it was amazing to watch that. And, and all the people coming out of the houses and the children and the home. See, see it's, it, it's one of the memories that I have. It's one of the stories that I have. And you have stories. Hear about Spring Hill. Hear about Mamers or about Lillington or about Anderson Creek or about all the other places that we come from in this church that we have a story of our heart. But what really makes it a home is the soul, is the spirit, the Holy Spirit. That's the next one up. They all start with H. That's why it's easy to remember. There it is, the Holy Spirit. So what makes Spring Hill not just a heart place that makes it truly a home is the Holy Spirit. Because Jesus said to them, only in his hometown among his relatives and in his own house is a prophet without honor. Now I've studied this and I've looked at the history of this and I know that some will say that he's trying to say that he is not of this place, but he's saying he really is of this place, but they are not of the place. They have not seen the true nature of home. They think home is just where the heart is, the emotion, the connection. This is where my ancestors walked. They need to know what the true home is. It's where the Holy Spirit abides. And the Holy Spirit abides here. I felt it the first day I ever walked in this church. Oh, I know we have lots of heart issues. I know we have family. I know we have faith. But God has given us something more than that. He's given us home where the Holy Spirit abides, where his presence is here. And Jesus is saying that here God has called us to be, that we are able to do what God wants us to do. Some people spend their whole life looking for home. They want a home, they want a place to go to, they want a place to settle, they want a place to be accepted. It's a strange world we live in. People moving here and going there and going here and going there. Sisters and brothers, I can tell you right now, if you move a thousand miles, it's the same as moving a mile. Everything you got's gotta be picked up and put in a box. And you'll label those boxes to start off with, but after a while, you'll just put stuff on, on the box. 
And you'll, you'll put that box there. And you'll take that box from here to there. And then you'll try to remember where is that thing. And you'll go through a box. And then you'll holler, say, who didn't label this box? And it's your handwriting on there because it says stuff. And you'll go through it and you'll find stuff you didn't even know you had. Years ago when we were up at the mountains, you know, at the home, the house, the place that one day, by the grace of God, I will retire. But preachers never retire. Understand we never do. We just love to preach. Nathan, you're going to be preaching till you get a scraggly white beard like mine one day. And you're going to love it because wherever you go, you'll find your pulpit is your home because the Holy Spirit is there. But I remember we were moving into the house. We had all our stuff, and we had just moved from over at Hickory Hill, which is just across Lake Genalosco, so we were moving less than a mile, but everything we had had to go. And the children back then, Leanna and Hannah and Andrew had just been born, they had toys upon toys, molded plastic, amazing what uh, you know people would do with children, just, just buy them a toy, they want a toy, get them a toy. Well, the movers that helped us, there were a couple of guys we hired to help us. One of them picked up a box, and it's a little box. It's about yay big, it's a little box. And he was carrying that box, and he was walking in the house, and I said to him, I said, do you know what you got there? He said, a box? I said, no, that's not a box. I said, that's everything of my sister and her family everything. He said, what? I said, oh, they died in a house fire. They all died. In one night, the house burnt down, and all of them were lost, and this is all that we could recover. And everything of their lives is in that box. It shook him to the core, because here's a man who moves people from point A to point B, and he deals with volume and weight and items and things of life. Yet inside that box, there was a little memento, a little, uh, like a little figurine that had survived the fire because ceramic can survive fire. And there were a few items there that were out in the cars that had survived, even though part of them had burnt. And we pulled those out. And the family, they didn't want anything to do with it. And I took it as the caretaker of the family, as the one who would step in. And I said, I'll take it. I'll carry it with me. And, and we had it in this box and I had everything wrapped carefully to protect it and this man who moves people for a living a big strong man he started weeping started weeping because in his hands he held everything of a whole family but understand, I didn't do that to evoke any emotion out of him I didn't want any sympathy out of him I do not need sympathy I just wanted him to know life isn't made up of things, of items. I wanted him to know that life is made up of heart and more importantly of soul because I know in my heart she is with God in heaven along with her baby Heather, along with their son Nikki, along with their husband Robin, that they are indeed home with God. And he, I think, got the point because he, he worked hard that day and he said, thank you. He thanked me for the work. 
because he got to experience something he had never experienced before. So home is not just where the heart is. Home is where the soul is. It's where the spirit is. And kids, y'all are going to go out one day. Your parents don't want you to. Oh, they may want you to now at times, but Lord have mercy. We're about to go through the empty nest syndrome in our family. Some of you have already been there. Uh, I can't wait to show up at my children's house one day and just say, hey, how are you doing? I may have to be in another country to do it, but I can't wait to, to just show up one day and say, what you up to? What you doing? You got something to eat? I'm hungry. Home is more than the stomach, it's more than the food, it's more than the appetite. Home is even more than the heart. It is the soul. It is the spirit. And you can go looking for it all you want to your whole life. You can chase it from here to there. You can think you're going to find it no matter where you go. You think you're going to somehow discover it. But I'm saying it's closer than you could imagine because God loves you just where you are. (laughs) So in other words, you ain't got to go nowhere. Stay home. You don't need to go anywhere. You don't want to do that or this. Anna, you don't need to go. Just stay home. No, Anna, uh, Anna, you do what God calls you to do. And then when God closes the door, you come back home. (laughs) See, this this is a very important subject we're talking about because ultimately home is... Home is in heaven. Home is with God. Home is eternally uh, with the Lord. And in this scripture, Jesus is describing his experience of going home and, and the drama that came along with it, but not the drama as the subject. It's the peace and the grace. And they went out and they healed people, though not a lot of them, because their faith was weak, but still they did heal. And then Jesus does something that's very interesting. He couples the mission of the church with this story. Nathan, did you notice that? He couples the sending out of the 12 with this story. And that's not an accident. Christ didn't do things accidentally. Everything he did had a purpose, a greater purpose. The more I study it, the more I'm amazed how much the scriptures open up the story of Christ doing miracles. It's from the home you go off and know what you need to do. See, Jesus sends out the 12 from his home, from the place that will not accept him. He sends out the word that is acceptable. And Jesus went around in all the villages that surrounded his hometown and he called out to the 12 and he sent them out. And he sent them out this way, two by two. Now, most cars here are two by two. You got just two wheel drive. Usually it's front wheel drive your wheels underneath your engine, so your engine gives the weight to the wheel to give traction. But some of us are privileged to have four by four, right? I just looked at Mr. Danny, four by four. And what happens with a four-wheel drive? All four wheels are turning, aren't they, Mr. Danny? You get traction. You can do things with four by four that you can't do with two by two. 
And in the scripture, Jesus sends them out two by two, but he makes it four by four because he gives them authority over evil spirits. In other words, he gives them adequate transportation to do what they need to do. In other words, God does not leave us alone when we go off from our home to share the life that God calls us to share. And he gave them instructions for this. He gave them instructions that we are to be a people who are helping each other. We are not going alone in this journey. We may think we're alone, but we're not. We may think we're making our own way, we're a captain of our own fate, a master of our own soul, we're invictus, and no matter what, we think we're doing this. Somehow America thinks that we can do this alone. We're not Rambo where we can fight a battle by ourselves. We are not alone, we need each other. And children, you need that love of home to get you to where you need to go. You need that love of home to show you what you need to see. Understand you are not traveling alone because every step you take, your loving mother and father, your brother, your sister, your cousin is with you. You are not going alone on this journey. And Jesus sends them out, not just one by one, saying you can handle this. He's saying you're going to need somebody else because there's going to be a time when you're going to hit a wall and you're going to need somebody to be with you and those times are those times are important because those are moments that you see the grace of God I can tell you this and you're about to go through surgery nothing gives comfort like knowing somebody who loves you and you love them is with you during that surgery so that when you close your eyes you'll wake up and they'll be there and they'll help take care of you and get you back whole again so you're able to do what you need to do. There's times the world will knock you down. It will criticize you, it will insult you, it will beat you up, it will try to leave you beside the road, but love allows us to be together. And Jesus sent them out two by two and he says, take nothing with you on this journey except a staff. No bread, no bag, and Lord have mercy, no money. <laughs> you know what the staff's for, right? You know what the staff's for. When you go to the mountains, people go into the mountains, and they want to buy something, they'll buy a big old walking stick staff. And you can tell the tourists because they buy a staff that's like huge. It's like uh, Gandalf in Lord of the Rings. You're going to be striking down a dragon with how big this staff is. And they'll go marching up mountain there. They got their staff. They're like Moses going to the mountain. You can tell the tourist, because you don't need such a big staff. The reason you need a staff is not to help you walk so much. The reason you need a staff is to beat off the bad things. I finally saw one. Y'all told me they existed here. I, I, I really did believe you, but I didn't. I hadn't seen one. I heard one. But you know, we got coyotes here. Y'all know that? We got coyotes here. I'm standing at the door the other day and I see something coming across the field heading over to the neighbors there and she's got some chickens. And this thing's running across the field and I'm going, that's a weird looking dog. I said, that is the ugliest dog I've ever seen. And he was reddish and his ears pointed real high up and his face was smaller and he was huge. He was much, maybe it was my imagination, but he looked like a wolf almost, but it weren't a wolf. And I said, what in the world is that? And I watched him run and he run real fast. And I said, that was a coyote. And I went and looked it up and it's a coyote. I finally seen the coyote. So if you go walking around, you better carry a staff to beat off that coyote. 
Coyotes are not nice animals. They don't belong here. We didn't invite them. Don't know where they come from, but they don't need to be here. See, see, they were given staves to beat off the things that do not belong where we are going. We have to fight. And that's what Jesus is saying. Take nothing for your journey except a staff. Take no bread. Take no bag. Take no money. And he says, wear sandals and not even an extra tunic. In other words, get ready to travel light because we're going on a journey and we're not going to be on this journey forever. And whenever you enter a house, he says, stay there until you leave the town. I remember all those times that we moved when I was a boy. Mother, she would be uh, mopping the floor and she'd say, get out, Jerome, get out the house. So I don't want any footprints. And I would get out real quick with my stuff underneath my arm, um, and, and, and she would mop the floor right to the door. And then she'd throw the mop onto the U-Haul, because Daddy believed in U-Hauls. He thought U-Hauls were the answer to everything. You can put anything on a U-Haul. Said he never understood why we had so much stuff. He said, why do you kids have so much stuff? See, and I remember Mama, she would, she, would, she would mop that floor and get that house clean for the next person to come. She always believed that you leave it better than you find it. You, you, you honor the people that you're leaving and you honor the people you're going to. And Jesus says, when you enter a house, you stay there until you leave that town. In other words, you stay there as God calls you. And then when God calls you, you leave and go to where you need to be. See, our home is in heaven and he is calling us there and Jesus said if any place will not welcome you or listen to you if they're rude to you now I can tell you right now some of the places we moved to I won't say the names of the towns but there were some rude people in those towns they didn't want us there they weren't too nice especially you know being the new kid at school I wanted to try and test and see how strong or see, see how much resolve and everything. I mean, you always have to go through a trial period of some sort. And Jesus said, if the place will not welcome you or listen to you, this is what you do. You take that sandal off and you shake the dust off your feet when you leave as a testimony against them. In other words, Jesus is saying, don't get bogged down by failures. Live for success. Plan for the future. Know that I am making a way for you to Zion, for you to go home. So they went out and they preached that the people should repent. They drove out many demons and they anointed many sick people with all and healed them. And they were able to see the very basics of what it means to be a Christian in a world that does not believe. No matter where you go, if you're a follower of Christ, you represent the body of Christ. You are an ambassador of Christ. You are a priest of a holy tribe. You are a chosen and elect of God's kingdom. We together are the people of God. And we're here because God has called us here. And we're here because here is where our heart is. Here is where the Holy Spirit is. And here, ultimately, is where we help each other. And we help each other by never wanting or letting any of us walk alone. You're not alone. 
You're not alone. I know it's hard. I know it's tough. I know there's things we don't have answers for. I know there's fear. How many do they have out now, Brad? They have three, is that right? They have four. They have four boys that somehow got into a mountain and got trapped. Even Elon Musk went down there with all his genius. He's like the Howard Hughes of this age. He was talking about creating an air bubble or a mini sub. He had all these great ideas. He's a very smart man, Nathan. Elon Musk, very rich man, smart man. But how are they getting them out, Brad? They're getting them out by helpers, right? It's called the buddy system, right? They've already lost one, one man who's given his life. He was a Navy SEAL of that country, and he ran out of air. Yet today, right now, these heroes are individually swimming through the currents of this underground cave system, and the boys are going to be attached to them, and their buddy system allows them to follow the ones who are saving them. And I guarantee you, once they're emerging from this, and I can't wait to watch the video, I bet the mamas and the daddies are crying. I bet the children are crying. I bet the nation is celebrating. And in a time when the world is so divided and so much anger and so much war and so much sorrow that this very moment, these boys represent the hope of humanity because they show us we cannot do it alone. We need help to get out from this cave we're trapped in, this sorrow that binds us. And we can only do it because Jesus is with us. And he's guiding us through the crevices and the cracks and the flooded parts of life. And he's helping us. I can tell you, I wouldn't be here today had not he helped me. I'm here because he guided me here. It's not a happen chance. I don't know why they got so far lost up in the mountain. I don't know why, but this is not a time to accuse. This is not a time to find fault. This is not a time to think there's an excuse for it. We got a world trying to make excuses for it. We're in a mess, people. We're in a mess. Our families are breaking. Our culture is breaking. Our world is breaking. Anger and evil is popping up everywhere. People are standing against each other. We're in a mess. And the only way we're going to get through it is the love of Jesus Christ who binds us and guides us and leads us out of the night. He leads us out of the darkness to a new day. Are they all going to make it? What's your answer to that? Are they all going to make it? Do you believe it's possible? With death so near that all these young boys, this soccer team, can make it. Sisters and brothers, there comes a point as a man of God, a holy man, I do not have the answer. There comes a point I cannot make the answer for you in your life. I can suggest things. I can recommend books to read and scriptures to study. 
and prayers to pray. But there comes a point where you must make this decision. Are you going to make it? All I can do is just point the way and say, follow your buddy, follow your pal, follow your Lord. Let Jesus lead you out tonight. And I'll be there because I love to tag along with Christ. No matter where he tells me to go, I'll go. And I'll preach and I'll teach and I'll love and I'll do what I'm called to do and I'm not the perfect man. But it's not about me. It's about the Christ that I come in the name of. Let us pray. Dear Lord, let us help each other and let you help us. Let us know home is not only where the heart is, it's where the Holy Spirit abides. Home is where we help each other. Lord, give us the grace and peace that we may grow in this spirit one one another and know that all things are possible. And when that last boy exits that cave, let the world rejoice in a God of love. In Jesus' holy, sweet name we pray. Amen.